Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and Loki. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about episode five of season one of Loki, Journey into Mystery. So if you haven't watched it. What? That means something right there. It means, listen, we're going to get into this. I'm going to give the spoiler warning here because there are so many things going on in this episode. This had more Easter eggs than the Ooh. White House lawn the Sunday of Easter. That's what I'm talking about here. Oh, so we're going to get into all of that stuff. And I definitely want to talk about this episode because obviously this is a huge one is the penultimate episode of the first season of Loki. But first, Pete, you weren't here last week. Yeah. And we got into one of your wheelhouses a little bit. There was a lot of controversy, a lot of debate about it online. But there was, and we even talked about it here on the podcast, Justin and I discussed it, but there seemed to be something going on with Sylvie and Loki. Yeah. And that builds more in this episode. Before we get into the specifics of what happened this week, how are you feeling about this as our rom-com expert? First off, uh, love the, uh, I love awkward uh, rom-com moments and this was just killing it on that. Uh, it's also a little weird if you stop and thinking about it because it's like, is Loki in love with himself? Mm-hmm. Like, is that, I mean, what is happening with that? But I think they're absolutely adorable together. Uh, some real, uh, moments in this episode that I, you know, clutched my pearls. It was, uh, it just really just, um, it's very exciting. I love the turn that this show is taking, um, and Man, they just really keep you on your toes. So many crazy things all happening at once. Uh, this is just a lot of fun. I'm at first, I was kind of like, What is this show? What is happening? There's so many things, kind of like uh, it's slow and fast and all over the place. But this like hits a rhythm that everything kind of comes together in all the right ways. I- I'm having such a blast. Broad overview of this episode, even though, again, I'm sure you watched it, but in case people are listening to the podcast later, you know, centuries from now, when they revisit <laughs> our Loki podcast. So sure, Loki sure, sure has been pruned from the timeline, except it turns out when you're pruned, you're not actually killed. You are sent to the void at the end Good of news. time, which is where things get destroyed and eaten as, quote unquote, the timekeepers figure out what's going to happen at the end of the time, and that always progresses. Uh, Loki very quickly figures out, thanks to cla- classic Loki, boastful Loki, kid Loki, and alligator Loki, and I really alligator appreciated... Loki! I appreciated them specifying that it was an alligator and not a crocodile, because mm-hmm. I called him alligator Loki, 
My daughter corrected me and said, no, no, that's definitely a crocodile. But I was right, and I'm going to rub it in her face. You should. You should. Mm -hmm. That's how parenting works. They got to learn sometimes the difference between alligators and crocodiles. So he encounters all of them. They've become pretty cool about living in this wasteland void and almost being eaten by a giant cloud named Alioth. Alioth, Normal day, you know? Yes. You think Uh, your day is bad. Sylvie... Comes to the rescue, Sylvie prunes herself after Ravona Renslayer, of all people, betrays her, jumps to the void, teams up with the Lokis, just realizes that she can enchant Eliath, and that's the plan that they come up with. So ultimately, classic Loki sacrifices himself in a really wonderful way. I love that moment so much. Loki, our Loki, and Sylvie disperse Eliath and head towards something, presumably whoever is actually behind the TVA. Uh, Also, thanks to Mobius, who is heading back to the TVA, is alive himself, and is going to burn the whole thing to the ground. Burn the whole thing to the ground. And meanwhile, Ravona is doing some research of her own to try to figure out what's going on at the TVA. Maybe she knows, maybe she doesn't, but she certainly said Miss Minutes on a task to find out what's actually going on. So lots of stuff uh, set up here, but I do want to jump off something that you just said, Pete. We've talked about this. We've mentioned this on the podcast a couple of times. Michael Waldron was pretty upfront about the series and said, like Loki, I want to shake it up every episode. Every episode is going to kind of be its own thing while following the plot. And I think, first of all, they've been doing a great job of that, of making it episodic television, but also just driving down on the theme of lying and friendship And using these two parts of things, betrayal, and all of these things that make Loki Loki, or Loki's Loki's, (laughs) and hitting them so hard at every episode. It's so smart. We'll see how it all ties up. And people put a lot of pressure on last episodes. But just based on these first five, this series has been great. I've loved it. I really think they've done a great job of building uh, mm-hmm. along the season. Like, um, what's also great is the Marvel shows are so different. Like, uh, you know, WandaVision was different from, uh, uh, you know, uh, Winter Soldier and Cap. And it's just like, this is its own thing. And so clever the way things are all coming together. I cannot wait to get into all the different fun things in this episode. But I, there were just so many times where I paused it. Just to soak it in because I was having so much fun. Not to rewatch something, just to kind of enjoy the Mm -hmm. moment of what's happening. Oh, this was my favorite episode by far. Really? Cannot wait uh, for the the last episode. Uh, Man, this was so much fun. Why was this your favorite episode? Was it because of all the Easter eggs? Was it because of the Sylvie Loki stuff? What drew you to this one in particular? Because it... You know, people talk about Loki being Loki. The moment where, like, we are, like, with a Loki alligator and there's old Loki or or original Loki, then different Lokis, and then he opens up the thing and an army of Lokis comes down and then it's just a domino effect of betrayal. Oh, my God. It was just so fun and such a callback to, like, Thor kind of playing with Loki being like, you're so predictable. And then this thing of, like... Hey, it's never too late to change that Owen Wilson talks about. And then Loki like really does like, oh, I am so excited. And if he betrays Sylvie, oh, I will lose my 
goddamn mind because it's so nice between them right now. And it's just, uh, it's so much fun. It is great, but I... One of my favorite exchanges in the episode, you have that whole beautiful, really nicely played scene between Sylvie and Loki when they're sitting outside the barber shop where the rest of the Lokis are hanging out with Mobius. And they're talking and they're doing the whole thing with the cape and the cute little yeah. snuggle thing and everything. Yeah. But I don't remember the exact line. I should have written it down. But Sylvie asks Loki, will you, you betray, betray me? Yeah. And he gives this look like, well... I'm Loki, you know, and then he gives that little speech about I betrayed Thor. I betrayed my brother, my father, my mother, Asgard, absolutely everybody. He doesn't say, no, I'm not going to betray you because he knows it's in his essential nature to always be playing the long game, always be playing the con game. Um, the only one who seems to have broken that cycle in any way is classic Loki, the old Loki. But even he reached a point where he was like, no, I have to show everybody that I'm still alive, that I made it out. You know, I don't Glorious think he says purpose, that out loud. Exactly. Glorious purpose. Glorious purpose. But betrayal has to be part of that. It's, I, I don't, don't think, I was, don't well, you I was thinking about this, this for bit. me. Don't you ruin this for me. No, I was thinking about this during the episode that I think what they're playing here is really smart, that we're not getting a heroic Loki here at the end of the series. He's still always going to be an anti-hero. He's still always going to be Loki. Do you want to see a Loki who is good and pure and happy with his friends and has learned all of his lessons and completed? I don't know. It's a Loki we haven't seen yet. Yeah. Don't put Loki in a little box there. He could grow beyond his stature. It could be a whole new mm-hmm. Loki. He could be mischievous in different times. But, you know, if he's true to Sylvie, like, I don't know. Like, why can't he, uh, you know, uh, rise above what's happening? And he does. Like, he he sacrifices himself for the mission at the end mm-hmm. of this episode in such a glorious way. And then gets one up by classic Loki. And it was, it's awesome to see. The thing that they are doing here, to the point that you're making, is they are growing Loki. They are allowing him to have a character arc, but there are things that essentially make Loki Loki, and I don't think... We don't need him to turn into Captain America, where he's doing the sacrifice play at every turn, you know? He's still... I guess what I'm saying, and this is getting into predictions for the last episode, but if we get a resolution where Loki, you know, throws himself into a portal and saves the day... That's not Loki. It needs to be a twist in some way, a twist of the knife where he is betraying somebody, where no. he is doing that, no. but he's doing it for the Have greater you not good. not been paying attention? Yeah, he's, he is a different Loki. He's the one Loki that can save the day and can do this. And I think, you know, I don't know who's going to betray who at the end, and I don't want to think about it because I'm enjoying where we are. The fact that right now Loki is trying to grow and be better is awesome. Well, I'll and throw this out I don't you, care though. if it fights his nature or whatever bullshit you want to put on him. This is a different Loki, and he has maybe love or something, and I think it it could be enough to change him. His speech, where even though all of his Lokis laugh at him, was awesome and very moving. I agree with you, but a bigger question I have off of this episode, they really drive home that maybe he is not the special Loki. Sylvie is the special Loki. She's the different one. She's the powerful one who can do the things the rest of them can't. So I think if anything, maybe this is what I want to see versus what I, I think will actually happen or know will actually happen. But I think 
Sylvie is the one who needs to grow and change. She needs to trust people. She needs to become the better Loki, quote, our Loki or whatever you want to call it, Avengers Endgame Loki. Maybe he doesn't have to change. You know, maybe he only needs to change a little bit. He needs to change 10 percent while Sylvie is the one that needs to change 80 percent, 90 percent. Yeah, but Sylvie is doing great. Like she is doing great. She's unbelievable, and she's solving this whole fucking TVA thing. Like, have you seen her Instagram? She is living. Hashtag <laughs> living right now. You know, she posted a photo from the void. She looked killer from oh, there. Man. Hey, don't you know? She can look however she wants. I, I think uh, it's it's awesome what's happening, and I would have never known how much I wanted this show until it, it kind of is. And I it was just. This is so much fun. I mean, such a great... There's been so many amazing comics about Loki and so many great kind of like character arcs for different characters in this uh, kind of universe. And I would have never known how much fun this Loki uh, story has been. And I'm, I'm just... It's, a, it's such a cool reward for all the fans and all the Marvel heads. And The other great. thing that I think is working really nicely about this, and I believe we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but we don't know where this is going. And what I mean is in terms of the MCU, we don't know where this is going because this is relatively uncharted territory. We don't know what is next for this Loki, where he is headed to versus WandaVision, which I loved. You know, we know Wanda is going into Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. You have these connection points there. Uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, we kind of knew, okay, he's going to head into the cap, so that's going to feed into whatever Avengers thing is happening. But everything with the TVA, certainly there's a lot of speculation about it heading towards Kang and time and time fracturing and all these things we're talking about. It could head towards that. It could head directly into Multiverse of Madness and No Way Home and or... could hang at, and I think this was super clear in the episode. Mm-hmm. So correct me if you feel this. It's yeah. clearly going into a Throg series right oh after God. this, and it would be. I would die. Just, oh I would literally <laughs> die. My brain would explode, oh and I would gosh. just be like, "We did it!" and just kill. Is over. that is that a segue to talk through the insane amount of Easter eggs in this episode? Which yeah. uh, you mentioned this at the beginning, but even when I saw. Journey into Mystery, and I saw the little description on Disney Plus where it's Loki meets a bunch of variants of Loki. I was like, oh, my God, my fingers are going to fall off. There's <laughs> no way that I'm going to be able to write all this stuff down. But I tried. I'm sure there's something we missed, but I'm going to throw mm-hmm. stuff out there. Sorry, with we were talking about this before we got on. The title of the episode, Journey into Mystery, comes straight from the comic books, uh, yeah. comes straight from the introduction of Thor and Loki. They were initially introduced in Journey into Mystery. Later on, I believe it was a Kieran Gillen run called Journey into Mystery yeah. that focused really heavily on Kid Loki versus Icall, who was the classic Loki come back, and that was the villain there. So pretty clear shout out there. Uh, the other big one, Eliath, was a character created by Mark Grunwald, who we've talked about a lot here on the podcast. He was uh, the inspiration, not the inspiration, the creator of the TVA, also a person in the TVA. Uh, and Mike Gustavich, they created them for Avengers, the Terminatrix objective, number one. And probably the important thing here, I, I kind of want to hold off on Kang stuff and talk about that at the end. Sort of, okay. let, let's hold off on speculation about who is the big bad of the series, because that's the big question at the end. But... <laughs> 
Eliath was a big cloud that looks pretty much like he does on the show that went up directly against Kang, was summoned by Ravona Renslayer. So there's all of these connections going on there. Uh, the next one, which I'm sure everybody noticed, but is a ludicrous shout out, is the Thanos copter, the Thanos yeah, helicopter. Yeah, the Thanos copter. That was wild. That yeah. was the one that the shout out to me that I was like, okay, we're going for it this episode. Oh, yeah, we are. Uh, but that's from Spidey Super Stories number 39 from March <laughs> number 19, uh, 1979. Number 1979. I always call years by their number. Sure, sure. Smart, yeah. smart. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but that's a real thing. It was Thanos in a helicopter fighting Hellcat of all characters. And it later showed up, I believe, in a Deadpool issue. But that was, you know, obviously making fun of it. But I think like sure. Thanos picked up dead through there. Then, as you mentioned, we got to see Frog Thor, a.k.a. Throg, when they zoomed through the ground going to the Loki's oh, hideout. Okay. We also even... saw Mjolnir. We saw the mm-hmm. hammer there just laying there. It's just so crazy to see in this series, like, all these powerful weapons doing nothing, having no power, and yeah. no, it's very cool. Yeah. Uh, so for those wins. who don't know, though, uh, Throg a.k.a. Frog Thor. Um, There's been a bunch of different identities, but it was Simon Walterson, who was a guy, I believe, I might have this wrong, but a guy changed into a frog. So he actually was not a frog, but he picked up a sliver of Mjolnir. And he was actually introduced very briefly in Thor 364, but on the jar with Frog Thor, it says T365, because that was the big issue where they really, Thor 365, where they brought him in. Um, the next one, which is such a deep dive, but in Kid Loki's hideout, there were a bunch of different little oh, Easter eggy yeah. things. There was Poly Bias, which is a video game that never existed. It's an urban legend, and it was supposed to be part of a PsyOps thing that the government was running Whoa. that got passed around, I believe, in the 80s, but of course never existed. So that was a thing that clearly got wiped from the timeline by the TVA. Also, wow. Kid Loki was drinking high C Ecto Cooler. Yeah, the he was. Great, great Easter egg. Released yeah, with Ghostbusters, came out. Legendary yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Probably coming out again for the new Ghostbusters movie, I'd assume. Uh, we also saw Vote Loki. The, that was a big yeah. character. Got his hand bit off, but he was created by Christopher Hastings for a miniseries from 2016, the tied into the election. So that was super Chris fun. Hastings shout out. That's awesome. Dude. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we've had that guy on our live show a bunch, bunch. of times. He's a great guy. Great Very writer. Funny. Very fun to see that live on the yeah. show. Now, this one... I'm just going to throw this out there, but I don't know if this is anything or me just like on a high alert for Easter eggs. But did you feel like Owen Wilson driving a pizza car <laughs> was a reference to the Pizza Planet truck from Pixar because he played Lightning McQueen from Cars? Wow, that is a stretch, dude. Probably. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's hysterical that, like, you're coming to the rescue in this giant, uh, like, pizza cutout cardboard mm-hmm. on top of a car. I mean, that's just funny. But uh, I will but, say there is an actual Easter egg on the car. The license plate is GRNW1D, which is Grunwald. So that's another Easter egg for Mark Grunwald. They have had a bunch of those. 
in the show, which is very cool. Uh, next one, this is jumping back to Kid Loki's hideout, but there was Space Mission Pinball, which is a pinball game from 1976. It was not imaginary or anything, so I'm not quite sure it was in there other than it looks cool and that's it. Another one, I could not find this on second look, but I swear Dorothy's house from Withers of Oz was somewhere in the void. Like I saw it stuck in the ground at one point Whoa. coming out. That seemed uh, probable to me. One that definitely was there, though, the USS Eldridge. Yeah. Real ship, an actual ship that fought in World War II, but it was part of this whole, again, urban legend thing where people claimed that it was turned invisible as part of the Philadelphia experiment. Obviously, it wasn't, but that's what they were riffing off of here. Another one that's very deep dive and may or may not be accurate, but there's a marquee, a movie theater marquee that's seen in the background at one point. And the title of the movie is Oswald and the Martian. There's no movie called Oswald and the Martian, but there is a movie, a 1930 animated short called Mars that stars Oswald the Rabbit, who is the proto Mickey Mouse that Walt Disney created. So I do oh think that's like God. an alternate universe shout out that to there. Deep, dude. Very deep. But then there's a bunch of actual Marvel Universe Easter eggs in there as well. Uh, Ronin's ship from Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. the Dark Aster, is crashed there. Uh, also, uh, there's a helicarrier that's crashed. You can see that pretty clearly when Eliath attacks. There's a big enormous yellow jacket helmet yellow jacket being the villain from the first Ant-Man he disappeared into the quantum realm so yeah. maybe it's the actual yellow jacket and he got his head cut off I don't know wow. could have happened wow. also it looks like there's the head of a living tribunal statue that's one of the godlike beings in the Marvel comic book universe that I, I don't think has shown up in the MCU yet. Maybe it was in the Guardians of the Galaxy, but I'm not 100% sure. Also, another little one before I get to the really big one. Uh, Roxy Wine, an exceptional Pinot Noir. That was very fun and tied into the whole Rocks Cart and Rocks On yeah. thing that they've been running yeah. throughout here. Uh, but the big one, right at the beginning when they're zooming through the wrecked New York City, right at the beginning before we check back in with our Loki, we see Stark Tower... But it doesn't say Stark Tower on it. It says Q-E-N-G, or Kang. And in the comic books, Kang is a company that takes over Stark Tower. And of course, it is actually owned not by a guy named Kang, but a guy named Kang, who is the time-traveling villain Kang. So let's talk about this. This is all a long lead up to get into the thing that we need to talk about here, which is at the end of the episode, Sylvie and Loki break open Eliath, come through, and they see some sort of building at the end of time. Somebody is there. We don't know exactly who it is. There is, I've seen speculation online that it was Dr. Doom's castle, which seems crazy to me. I mean, yeah. they're not going to suddenly bring in Dr. Doom for no reason at the end here. But no, no, no. I'll tell you what, and I, I want to hear your take because I've been monologuing for a while here, Pete, but I still feel like the ultimate person behind the TVA, just given the show, has to be a Loki. Like, I feel like that's what we have to head towards. That's the only thing that makes any sort of logical sense to me and plot sense to me. But if Kang is the wizard behind the curtain here, you know, the humbug that is running everything... I'm starting to waver a little bit on like they maybe they have set up enough visual cues for 
that actually to be there. And honestly, the Kang Tower thing was the thing that started to push me over the edge a little yeah, bit. So but, the... but what do you think? Who are we heading towards? Who is actually behind the TVA? Uh, I think it's uh, Miss Minutes. I think it's mm. super clear. It's uh, her run in the show. So uh, uh, I uh, that's that's who I feel it is. But yeah, I can understand why people uh, want the Kang and are Kang crazy. So uh, you know that would make sense. But it also could be a Loki very easily, mm-hmm. and uh, with all the Lokis, you know, why wouldn't it be another Loki? But um, yeah, yeah, it would be crazy if it was a, a jet ski. You know what I mean? So, oh, a sentient jet ski or a jet yeah. ski Loki? Yeah, yeah that would be very Loki. cool. <laughs> awesome Loki jet ski. I'll tell you what. This is very much a side theory, but it was a thing that piqued my interest a bit. Uh, Miss Minutes. To your point, there could be something going on there potentially, but I was far more interested in what Ravona was doing and how that tied into what Miss Minutes doing. Because after she gives Miss Minutes the assignment to find out everything about the TVA, there's a smirk that Guga Babatha Ra has as she's closing her temp pad that indicated something. Like she clearly is a huge liar. She's been lying all the time. She lies to Sylvie in a big way in this yeah, episode. Yeah, you think she's a Loki? Maybe she's a Loki. Maybe there's something because else going on with her. Playing, it's clear in the last episode, she's playing Owen Wilson. Mm-hmm. The fact that I was, if she would have killed the guard, I feel like that would have been like a real key that she's um, versus a Loki. Uh, that she's, uh, you know, that she's behind things. But like, I don't know. There's so many twists and turns here. It's it's awesome to kind of like who, what is going to be, you know, this kind of uh, reveal is really going to be interesting. And I'm so happy it wasn't just three magical lizards. <laughs> like, yeah, that made me very, very happy in the last episode where we decapitated the, uh, you know, the evil kind of uh, Disney, uh, you know, kind of uh, animatronic kind of thing there, which is. Yeah, I do. Again. You know, we're going to see it a week. We're going to find out in a week exactly who is behind this. I do like positioning it as the TVA is kind of the big bad here, which seems pretty obvious, but we didn't necessarily speculate that way. You know, I think people are looking for a Kang or a Doctor Doom or some sort of figure that is behind all of this. But ultimately, it's just the bureaucracy of the TVA limiting the timeline and pruning these Lokis. That is the real problem here. Um, I don't know. I'll just very quickly lay out my arguments for both Kang and a Loki being the person behind the TVA. The Loki to me makes sense because everything is about Loki. The entire show is about Loki. It's always Lokis. It's Lokis all the way down. And like I've talked about here before on the podcast, I think if somebody is going to be specifically trying to eliminate Lokis from the timeline, it makes sense to me that it has to be a Loki, you know? Like, that's that's sort of the only thing that makes logical sense. And certainly to have Loki and Sylvie go up against a Loki at the end makes a lot of sense to me as well. The Kang thing, the only reason beyond just the, the little hints and clues that they put in there with the Kang Tower, with Elioth connection, Ravona's connection. They're also talking about time traveling, which is in this wheelhouse. Yeah, of course. And we talked about this the last episode, but the space lizards look like Kang. You know, the, the timekeepers are, they look like that in the comics, but also they're purple and green, just like Kang. They look like Kang. 
the argument against it is they haven't said the word Kang at any point in the show. But the thing that made me sort of wonder a little bit beyond all the stuff in this episode is the fact that they really have introduced a new challenge for Loki and Sylvie, or at least for Loki, in every episode so far. They didn't mention Eliath before, but that was the big cloud that they needed to fight this episode. So they could potentially introduce Kang next episode, and it wouldn't be exactly out of nowhere, and it would still frame that episode as this them versus Kang. So that's the thing that kind of like pushes me there. I want to throw out one other wild theory to you. What if it's Freya? What if it is Loki's mother? Because that's something that we haven't really dealt with. What? I know. Yet in the series is what if it's a variant of Freya that is doing something to eliminate Loki's from the timeline or keeping Loki on the right path? That would, that would be just insane. That's just, that's, I mean, I can't even. Well, I'll throw out, two little things that I found out recently that kind of pushed me towards Freya might be more important than I think we're giving credit, though obviously she's a very important part of the first episode and Loki's motivation in general, is that I interviewed Natalie Holt, the composer for the show, and she mentioned two things that piqued my interest a little bit. One of them, I asked her about the different themes for Loki and Sylvie. And I asked how much Sylvie's theme fed out of Loki's theme. And she said, well, actually Sylvie's theme kind of feeds out of Freya's theme a little bit, which I thought was kind of weird and interesting. And Wait, seemed so to you impl- pressed the composer for like little nuggets of information. Well, we were talking about that. She brought it up. She, she mentioned this and I thought that was kind of fascinating made me very briefly in the middle of the night last night when I was just sort of waiting for Loki to be up. Uh, made me think, what if Sylvie is actually You woke up in the middle of the night and you were like, it's Freya. It's got to be Freya. I legitimately was uh, staring at the ceiling, wondering if Sylvie is a Freya variant and not a Loki variant at all. That made me very nervous going into this episode that they were going to kiss because gross. Yeah, then he's making out with his... The other thing that she mentioned, though, was that she composed the theme for episode six first and then worked backwards. And she said, the reason will become immediately clear why she did that when we see episode six. Oh, my God. Which started to make me think, all right, there is going to be some sort of reveal there. There's going to be some sort of character. How is this going to make sense? And I don't know. I can't put all the clues together in my head. We'll wow. see. Wow. Any other moments well, in the episode? I'm glad oh, this yeah, is torturing you a little bit. That makes me happy. Driving me insane. I'm going crazy. Yeah. All right, yeah, there's a ton of stuff I want to talk yeah, about please. we haven't gotten into. Okay, so first off, epic opening shot. Just just epic. A lot of fun, like, tracking shots in this episode, which was great. A lot of cool stuff. Uh, the I opening also, shot was really good. Just that turning around, twisting, it was then, so yeah. uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, it was. It was. Um it was kind of reminded me of uh, what's Justin's show, that, uh, Twin Peaks. It kind of was mm-hmm. Twin Peaks esque. Um, but then I also love when we first meet the kind of uh, other Lokis, the fun kind of just talking, like what's going on with it, and they answer right away because it's they're all Lokis. Like just so much fun. Um, yeah, I also really loved his like uh, you know 
I thought I'd be more weirded out by the uh, a Loki alligator. Like he's not disheartened by it. That was fun. And then the alligator biting off a Loki arm was just great use of an alligator throughout the whole episode. Like I really thought the alligator Loki was the real winner after all this. Mm-hmm. And the, maybe they'll follow alligator Loki in season two. I hope so. Alligator hope Loki it, versus frog. frog Thor. Yes. Yes. Oh, Give the people yeah. what they want. Give the people what they want. And then the fun, crazy, like, just throwaway line where it's like, why is this kid the king? Oh, I killed Thor. What? Oh, like, that was just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, and also, like, the Miss Universe, like, or Miss Minutes being, like, stalling. Listen, she's a beautiful clock. She could win Miss Universe if she really wanted to. (laughs) Yeah, there's no question. Um, The her stalling to like trap uh, Sylvie is just that was like so creepy in all the right ways. Um, And yeah, I really love the Loki speech about like how like Sylvie's great and he's changed and we can do this. Like, um, oh, and then the him and Owen Wilson hug at the end. Was just so touching. Like, really just, got me. I yeah. was so surprised. And but like, I love fa- that. And I loved uh, Mobius saying to Sylvie, "You're my favorite." It yeah, was very oh, fun, very sweet. Yes, really unbelievable. And then, like, I was couldn't believe like they were running towards each other, and they both kind of stopped. And it was like, oh, hey. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so awkward. Like, hug, kiss, do something. But then, like, we kind of got that blanket moment, which was just awkward in all the right ways. Oh, and then even in the pizza car, like, when they're running for their lives. Oh, first off, when Sylvie shows up and then you see the pizza car, like, coming to save, like, that kind of, like, tension and, like, holy crap moment was just so well done and so believable didn't feel like we were on the stone stage, like really felt epic. And then the kind of reveal when she's like you, and then kind of this talk of like, I thought I was on the right side. And she's like, oh yeah, annihilating whole, uh, you know, uh, existences and orphaning children, classic hero stuff. Like, oh, just so fun that they kind of got to have that moment in the car. Um, yeah. Ah, just... Really, so and those cute little weird blue birds. I thought they yeah. would be the like, key to something that was very kind of interesting. Uh, that they kept showing them so much. Yeah, at first I thought there were peacocks running around, but they were not no. peacocks. No, they were kind of like headless, but they had these little balls mm-hmm. that were kind of like their head. So it was very interesting. Uh, but yeah, and then the classic Loki like creating Asgard at the end and like going out like a champ with the. Uh, just the fucking just glorious purpose line. Like, yeah, man, you know, give your life some purpose. That mm-hmm. was just, that was just, this is really moving, powerful stuff. And having characters like really grasp at what they're doing and why they're doing it is, this is so, and with this epic backdrop, this is, I'm just having such a blast. I completely agree with you on Richard E. Grad's performance, particularly his cackling, his very <laughs> old school cackling as he yeah. goes out as Eliath takes him down, I thought was wonderful. And something we've talked about on the podcast a lot is the possibility of young Avengers coming down the road. And it feels like Kid Loki still being alive in some form at the end of the episode potentially tees up 
another member of the Young Avengers or potentially an antagonist for the Young Avengers since he seems he I mean he killed Thor. He's a badass. So yeah. uh, we'll see what uh, happens there. Yeah. I was yeah, I mean I was really impressed with how great all the characters were in their own kind of separate way. And uh you're here is Kid Loki who killed Thor, but you're still like, hey, Kid Loki is cool. Like this is yeah. fun. He's great. Jackville was real good in the part, and I hope we do get to see him more. Before we wrap up here, let's go to the vision board. We certainly talked about a lot of what we think might happen, but what do we want to see in the final episode of the season? Pete? I Yeah, I want to see Loki actually back it all up and not betray uh, Sylvie, and uh, I want them to be together as long as it's not a creepy reveal that they're related or some kind of creepy, you know what I mean? Like if we can get that they're separate things that uh, can, uh, you know, have some love as love action, that'd be great. I want to see my Loki theory come true. There's going to be a part of me that's going to be bubbed a little bit if it's Kang or if it's somebody else or it's somebody we haven't met or heard of in any way before. It Um, has to be because the composer had to do a whole new thing. So, you know, that just shoots your whole thing right there. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's what I want to see. That's on my vision board. The composer was playing you. That's what I think. (laughs) Oh, playing me like the instruments she uses to compose (laughs) things on. God damn it. I should have seen that. (laughs) So frustrating. Thanks, Pete. You really opened my eyes to that one. Folks, if you want to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to speculate about Loki with you. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and (laughs) Facebook. Uh, I was also thinking at the same time, I just wanted to do a little plug. We're going to have our Black Widow review is going to come out Thursday night, timing with the theatrical release in the Marvel Vision feed. So check that out. You're getting two episodes this week. If you're listening later on, hundreds of years from now, that timing doesn't matter to you. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. Take care. Thank you.